it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Michael. Tim Noy. And we are the Knights of Entertainment, a podcast covering your favorite and unknown movies, games, comic books, anime, and more weekly. We appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy the show. This is what we are covering tonight. Uh, we are going over the plot and the story of Season 1 of Overlord. But before we do, like, share, and subscribe to the channel. You can enjoy the show on YouTube, Spotify, Rumble, Odyssey, and more. We also have membership tiers on those platforms if you'd like to support the channel, or you can check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash KOE podcast. Alrighty. Uh, we have been over a bunch of different things with Overlord. Yeah, we're all. Uh, if you're familiar with some of the characters now, not all of them. Probably not. Yeah. But I've forgotten. <laughs> you might know him if they're brought up, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, if not, uh, you guys can always go back and listen to those episodes where we covered different characters and stuff like that from the show. You know, books, show, whatever you want to call it. Alrighty. Uh, episode one we have done already before, but we'll go ahead and go back over a little bit of it. Uh, episode one is called End of the Beginning. Uh, it was, uh, let's see here, directed by uh, Kunihiro Wakabayashi. Uh, Yggdrasil. Uh, also known as the uh, one of the dive massively multiplayer online role-playing games released in 2126 is discontinued after 12 years. 2120. God, I didn't know it was that far in the future. Yeah. God dang. <laughs> uh, it's being discontinued after 12 years of standing as the top DMMORPG in the entire era. Mamanga, guildmaster of the Einzel Gone uh, guild, is uh, conversing with his guildmate, Hero Hero during the last moments of Yggdrasil in the Guild Hall, the Great Tomb of Nazarik. Hero Hero bids farewell to Momonga and logs out. Momonga is in enraged about his friends leaving the game, but cools down, uh, down after noting that they did not abandon the guild. It was that they had real life issues to to deal with and not game issues. Uh, that was one of the uh, the main things about becoming a member of Einzel Gone, is that you had to be a functioning member of society. And basically not an otaku sitting in your room with pizza boxes all fucking around you. Uh, now all alone in Nazarek, except for NPCs and still engrossed in the memories of the past, he takes the staff of Einzel Gones and heads to the throne room. On the way, he orders Sebus, the butler, and the battle maids to follow him, and he meets Albedo there, which is the waifu of the entire anime series. So, uh, on a whim, he changed well. <laughs> Although she's also fucking crazy. So. <laughs> uh, on a whim, he changes her settings to be in love with him as it's originally set, uh, settings uh, that were created by Tabula, which uh, said that she was an absolute bitch in the description, the flavor text. Uh, Momonga closes his eyes to await the forced logout by the server, but realizes something is wrong as he is not ejected and remains in the game. He discovers, to his astonishment, something went wrong uh, and that the NPCs have developed their own personalities and can be directly communicated with as if they were humans at this point. Yeah. Albano, in particular, begins exhibiting the personality traits based on the societies that Momonga has just made, much to his shock. Momonga attempts to test the limits of new, his new discovery, but is forced to calm down. Basically, uh, being a lich, he has a... Uh, like a uh, emotion that like a suppressor on him since he's undead so he can't force himself to be super happy super sad enraged anything like that not even like his own inner monologue 
he can have his own inner monologue, but if he starts to exhibit too many of those feelings, he automatically gets buffed down hmm. to where it's more calm again. Um, he, uh, he also notices he can now smell it, which you cannot do within the game. Uh, days as it, uh, everything that has occurred, Manga orders Albedo to call every guardian except those of the fourth and eighth floor to meet him in the arena below. He teleports himself to the arena to test his new skills. There, he meets the floor guardians, Aura Bellafiora and Mare Bellafiore. Moanga asks them to help to his new uh, profound power abilities to see how strong he is. Uh, after they finish sparring with the fire elemental that he's summoned, they're given refreshments from Manga, uh, which they're kind of surprised about. For refreshments. He pulls yeah, out a he pulls, in the arena. <laughs> he pulls out a pitcher of water and gives him glasses of water to drink after they fought a fire spirit. Hmm. Uh, shortly after, the Fuller Guardians all enter the arena and are in it. They all introduce themselves afterwards. So basically, the first uh, the entire first episode is just showing him being stuck in this new world. Yeah. And a big thing that a lot of these people don't realize that watch the anime for the first episode, they don't realize that he's not stuck in the game. He's stuck in a world that resembles the game. Hmm. So it's not he's not stuck like inside the like it's not SAS. You come with house, right? It's not Sword Art Online. So, so I guess technically, it, there's a version of him in the in this world, and then his real version left. We don't think they're parallel. I think uh, probably because they never say what happened to his actual body, like what happened to his. So he's just like split in two. So I like, think that might be what happened. The version of himself that liked the game is now playing the, that real life thing forever, right. and the, his real self is just living his life normally. That's what I think so too. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if your your mind split into two, where you keep living out everything that would have happened if you, like, from a certain point, and then the other person's perspective, oh, well, something crashed, and now it's over. Yeah, you just go go about your day. Wouldn't that be weird? There's a game called Soma like that, where you uh, you take a part in this test when you're uh, for some brain stuff, mm -hmm. and then you're, you're into your memories and everything are uploaded into a... A program, I guess, and you wake up like a um, hundred or a thousand years later in like a fucking wetsuit that's now like a, a robot. So you're basically a robot, yeah, but with your human memories. And uh, and at a certain point, you need to upload yourself to a different uh, different well, water suit because it's all underwater. So to survive like a like a different like uh, spot of the uh, the ocean, mm -hmm. and basically what you do is you download yourself to the second form. But now you're you're still you in this form, and the new you's uh, basically what happens is you get transferred to the new you, and you end up telling the old you. But not whether it's not a, a two of them, right? But now that that's the crazy thing. Like if it's like me, right? Mm -hmm. But then if uh, there was another version of me that that just uh, uh was uh, formed, if you kill me, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. Like pardon me, like my own conscience, like your conscience doesn't transfer over. Is what I'm saying, right? You, now you're just it's just a copy here. right and that that blew my fucking mind <laughs> because like basically i was a second person in the the, the second part of the game yeah because i believe in the earlier one that was like you're just fucking depressed as fuck because <laughs> isn't it where i i think i know what game you're talking about but where if um if you decide to let the to spare them basically they just think that they uh the uploader didn't work and they go to go do something else no they die no i'm saying if you don't kill them no, we, you have to kill the guy. I thought there was a way around that. No, you like you delete the other version of yourself, 
and then you move forward. No, I'm pretty sure that, that you, you can you can spare them too. No, and some like it's like a cutscene; they kill them off. Yeah, it might be a mod then, because then like you upload yourself to a program in space that's like a paradise of Eden for for everybody, and you see both of them. You 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 end up destroying the the last functioning uh, underwater facility, and you're just left alone in the dark. And then the other, the other copy gets to go to fucking uh, Eden and live happily ever after. And you're like, well, fuck me, man. So I guess I get fucked over. And you play both. And you play the one that got fucked up. Uh-huh. And then that cutscene goes away. Then you then you wake up and you you play as the uh, the other one in, in the fucking fabulous uh, paradise. <laughs> I fucking hate that game now. <laughs> Soma, look it up. You'll love it. Uh, moving on to episode two. Uh, title is Floor Guardians. So, uh, the Floor Guardians of Nazarek enter the arena and, are, and introduce themselves. Uh, Guardian of the first, second, and third floor is Shaltir Bloodfallen, which we've talked about before. Uh, she is a vampire, uh, then enters Kokaitis, Guardian of the fifth floor. A little cockroach thing? Uh, no, Kokaitis is the big icy... The ice one, yes. The blue one, yeah. <laughs> Kokaitis is basically Japanese for ice. Oh, or cockutus. Because I heard I heard his cock. I just assumed cockroach. <laughs> uh, the guardian of the fifth floor, uh, whom Mamanga tells uh, is the definition of a warrior, finally enters Demiurge, uh, the guardian of the seventh floor, which is a true demon. Along with him uh, enters Albedo, the overseer of the floor guardians. Uh, they, upon arriving, at once pledge their loyalty to Mamanga. Uh, at this, Mamanga is greatly pleased and then sees Sebus uh, comes and reports that the guild hall was somehow moved to an unknown location. This is whenever he finds that he's not in the game world anymore. Uh, Mamanga is astonished as he, uh, this starts to strengthen their defenses and he requests Mare to use his earth magic, which is the uh, the gender bender kits. Oh, the one with the, the, the thigh highs? Yes. Boy? Yeah. Yes. Has him uses earth magic to blend the great tomb of Nazari into the surrounding area and to give the guardians their respective orders and leaves. The guardians, astonished at his dark aura of instilling fear and intelligence, leaves to do their assigned works while Momonga continues to test his capabilities in the new world. He goes outside with Demiurge and glances at the world and jokingly comments that conquering the world might not be a bad thing, and Demiurge misunderstands this as an actual order. And that's how episode two of Hopper's some world burning. Because <laughs> he looks out, he's like, they're all like jewels. Because um, what you learn if you read the uh, the light novel is that the world that Mamanga, later on called Einzelgon, you learn that the world that he actually lived in while playing the game is like a dystopian nightmare's future. Oh. Where uh, smog is so thick you can't breathe outside or anything, or you have to wear suits to go places. You you never see the sky anymore because it's just cloud. Is the real world? Is the real world version? Yeah. Fuck. So in 21, what is it, 2146 or whatever, it's like the snow. Yeah, 2136. <laughs> can't go outside. It's too much fucking sick. I don't know. I can't do the song. Yeah. So, oh, whoa. You want that future on my episode? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I fucking love that episode in there. Yeah, the 25, 25, 25. If mankind is still alive, 
And I'm like, I know what I'm watching later. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Once again, fucking copyright straight with bro. So sorry. You can mute this out. So basically, like, uh, with him seeing, like, stars and constellations that are not something that you would see on Earth ever. Oh, that would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, he's looking up saying it looks like jewels in the sky. And so whenever he says, it might not be more bad to take over this world. And then Demi Earth's the fucking true demon that, yeah. like, so you got it, boss. <laughs> Your wish is my command. <laughs> like, it shall be yours. All righty. Uh, episode three, The Battle of Carne Village. Uh, while uh, using a magic mirror to examine nearby lands with the help of Sebus, Mamanga discovers a village under attack from knights of unknown affiliation. At first, Mamanga intends to ignore the slaughter. Since he's undead, he has no feeling for it. He doesn't really give that much of a shit for it. Uh, but when he remembers the debt he owed to his guildmate, touch me, uh, he decides to save the village. Was a delayed reaction. But I was like, I realized that was a person that he played, and then I, I yeah, just, that's a gamer for sure. Yes, he's the one that was a knight, where he was a grand champion and everything. So you ever seen? Touch me. You ever seen that uh, meme of uh, it's the Warzone game, right? Mm-hmm. And all four players are like the most horrific fucking names they can come up with. <laughs> like, look at Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi. I'm like, God, yeah. And then you have Hitler. Yeah, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> and they, they all just pretty much won that game because they end up on the helicopter. Yeah, and I'm, and I was like, wow! They all they went full in, all four of them. <laughs> yeah, they they do have some really funny uh, gamer tags though. So this this one's just touch me. He's like a knight. He's a That's warrior. Nine, really? Yeah, kind of out of everything. This is more of like, come on, touch me. See if you can hit me. Uh, he decides to eventually save the villagers and arrives there through a gate, uh, which makes the soldiers afraid while they're about to kill two siblings when Manga casts a high-tier spell, and it easily d- kills one of the soldiers. He uses another spell to kill the other one. He's like, oh, even level 7 magic kills you, huh? <laughs> so he summons a death knight, which is the level 40 undead creation character. Uh, basically, it's something that within the game would lose fairly easy to normal players. Right. It's something that he summons. It's not necessarily like even that cost, the costly to summon just a, just a general level 40. It's always good for distraction. Yeah. Especially in like Dark Souls. They take the brunt of the attacks. <laughs> so he orders that uh, Death Knight kill every soldier in the area. Meanwhile, a group of warriors led by a man named Gazif uh, encounters the sacked villages, uh, different sacked villages looking for survivors. And that's how the episode three ends. So he's basically, he was trying to use his skills, trying to learn how to do different things in this new world and seeing this, this village being fucked up and a bunch of people just slaughtered. Uh, Episode four is titled Ruler of Death. In this episode, we start off with uh, Nigen, which is a captain of the Sunlight Scripture of the Slain Theocracy, marching on Karn Village with a team of magic casters to kill Gazeth. That's their whole point. So this entire time, they've been raiding and sacking villages trying to draw Gazeth's throne off, which is a uh, the head warrior of this kingdom. Yes. And they're trying to get him to come out to basically kill him. Right. So that's uh, who we ended the last episode with, is Gazeth looking through these burned-down, ruined villages, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. 
realizing this, Gazif attempts to convince Idol Gone, which is Momongo's new name at this point. He basically chose this name because since the guild was named Idol Gone, if there's any of his friends in this new world, they'll know it automatically and be able to find him. Uh, basically, he asks Idol uh, Gone to defend the village to no avail. Uh, so he sets out with his men to confront them while Ainz assists the villagers in escaping. Gazif and his men fight bravely, but they are beaten severely by the slain theocracy's men. Before uh, these new magic casters can deal the final blow, an item that Ainz had previously given to Gazif activates and swaps the latter and his men with Ainz and Albedo. So he basically, before Gazif went out there to confront these uh, slain theocracy people, Nizel Gone gave him this little, like, token uh, statuette thing. He's like, oh, this is for luck. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, he's like, he swapped places completely. Well, that level, level 12 buff comes on the head. It's level 12 luck buff. <laughs> uh, basically, it was just a swapping device there. So he swapped all of those people that were left alive still with Gazif off into the, the... He transferred places completely with them. So instead of him being in the, the room with all the villagers, now Gazif is. Okay, which is, that'd be a really uh, cool thing to have. <laughs> just swap places. Sorry. would be a simple way to uh, get to a king. Yeah. Send a messenger there with a bunch of soldiers or uh, other messengers. And they're like, the, the, our, king, our, our king wants to give you this. They open up the fucking thing and then all of a sudden. Just pure swap. We swap into like a fucking fully armed soldiers. Yeah. Like a Trojan horse. Yes, that's magical. <laughs> Uh, Ives reveals, uh, reveals that uh, his whole scheme was to test the power of the slain theocracy's men and that uh, he was using Gazif to do so the entire time. Immediately, Ives begins effortlessly battling all of the attacks that these uh, slain theocracy men have basically sent his way. So they have summoned these, um, they've, they've summoned like what they call angels, uh, something that'd be like in D&D and stuff like that. But he's like just knocking the shit out of them, like, it's like, is this all you have? Just slamming them into the ground, making them <laughs> destroy, being destroyed. Uh, this leads uh, the leader, Nigan, to activate a seventh tier spell, summoning a powerful angel to attack Ainz. The attack barely inflicts pains on Ainz at all, which he scoffs about. Albedo, however, is infuriated that someone had hurt her beloved Ainz and threatens to massacre them all. So... This guy, he summons this uh, supposedly the highest tier angel there could ever be. Once he finds out that Ainz can destroy the lower level ones, pretty fairly, you know, fairly easy. Yeah. So he summons this like this is the highest of the high. Summons this angel and it attacks Einzel Gone while he just stands there laughing in a pillar of light. <laughs> He's like, oh, so this is the, this is what it feels like to take damage. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have uh, Albedo now, since she was in love with Ainz, where it's like, how could you hurt my beloved? Want to kill them all. Uh, Ainz calms her down, and then proceeds to obliterate the... Yeah, hey, baby, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how he, how, how he would calm her down. All he said is, uh, what was it? Uh, he still was. I think it was like, Albedo. Like, it didn't take much. Oh. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgetting nuts your pants. Pretty weapons. So he calms her down, and then he proceeds to obliterate the angel with a black hole. Like, just in one shot. Just destroys it. Looks <laughs> like a super graphic one, but hilarious. He gets into a black hole, literally, and he just gets crushed bone by bone. 
Well, the the angel got like twisted into this black hole. So. Yeah, you ever seen that uh, from Loki? No, from Thor: Dark World. The little black hole grenades. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like, from... I just inside of him, like yeah, nah. <laughs> the fucked up way to that. So dumbfounded and horrified at the power that Ainz has displayed, Nigan begins to beg for his life. Saying, "Please, please, don't kill me. Don't let me die a virgin." <laughs> Laughing, Ainz Olgans responds by quoting one of Nigan's previous statements. Saying, uh, he basically, whenever he joined the battlefield to begin with, whenever he swapped places with Gaza uh, Stronoff, he said, kneel before me and I'll give you a quick death. This is the same thing to him? That's what Ainz had told them. He's like, kneel and you'll have a quick death. And now he's begging for his life. So he doesn't get a quick death anymore. So like Rick Grimes, this may I made you a promise. You guys fucking kill someone with shit. <laughs> Uh, you find out later that I think in the uh, I don't know if they ever showed it in the uh, the anime, but in the uh, the light novel, Einzel Gones had kept him alive and turned him into a lich, basically. Oh, seriously? That's well, well, you're saying that one, the that BDSM yeah. looking well on yeah. Give me nightmares when you think about it. Uh, after the battle. Ainz returns to Nazarick and announces his name change and their goal of spreading his new name, Einzel Gon, across the new lands. However, his servants misinterpret this as a declaration, a declaration that he wants to rule the world. Well, close enough. Doing their best. <laughs> it's like they all just assume. Yeah. Oh, he wants the whole world. <laughs> we'll give him the whole world. Uh, episode 5 is called The Two Adventurers. Uh, we start off with Ainz and uh, Nubarel, which is one of the battle maids. We've covered her before. If you haven't uh, seen that, watch our Battle Maids episode and you'll, you'll learn how you catch up. Uh, they take on the aliases uh, Momon and Nabe uh, in order to join the Adventurers Guild in the city of Irantel to help learn more about this new world that they're in. Uh, several complications arise when Momon fi uh, finds it troublesome to keep Nabe from blowing their cover the entire time around rowdy adventurers trying to win Nabe's attention because they all think that she's beautiful. So. <laughs> and it annoys the fuck out of her because she calls them like cockroaches and all that. It's like, what them titties down? Meanwhile, a dangerous necromancer and a bloodthirsty female assassin plant that uh, plot to take over Hirantil. And you don't learn anything about it until the next episode. No, okay. That's not, but that's how it ends is the them two trying to formulate their plot on how they're going to rule and take over this entire town. Uh, Episode six, uh, we have uh, the journey. Is the name of it. Alrighty, so we have uh, Momon, Nabe, and the Swords of Darkness. They're hired by an alchemist named Nefuria mm -hmm. to uh, accompany him to Carne Village, which is the village that was attacked so many episodes back. Uh, on the journey, the party is attacked by a large group of goblins and ogres. A battle plan is made quickly, while the Swords of Darkness pick off the goblins. Momon and Nabe would eliminate the ogres completely. Ogres are like these giant creatures. The big ones, yeah. Yeah. As the fire proceeds, Momon immediately breaks formation and instantly uh, bifurcates several ogres to the shock of the Swords of Darkness. So he just grabs his sword and just starts chopping the motherfuckers in half where their body slides halfway off and everything. Oh, the sideways one, huh? The diagonal one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other goblins and ogres panic and retreat to the, at the sight of Momon cutting down their kin. Because <laughs> it's like, 
fuck do you just start in balls? And one of them's like, what do titties do though? And then they fuck with him. <laughs> well, that, that'd be, uh, what do you call it? Uh, ah, what is the name of the, the, uh, the Goblin Slayer? God. There's bad memes on that. You know, the, the goblin guy that was like killing little goblin children? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's that and then where they rape people. Yeah, the albums. That's that's the major one that shirt that shirt broke the internet of anime. <laughs> Everyone was like, What the fuck? <laughs> Even people that have watched some crazy shit, it's like, huh? Yeah, there there's some there's some dark anime out there. Yeah. Uh, later around the campfire, Momon and Nabe share a tense moment with the rest of the group when one of the Swords of Darkness inquires about Momon's past. Uh, basically, they're asking him about uh, his friends and stuff like that, where they say, oh, uh, this one, the, the, the spellcaster of the Swords of Darkness, she's like, oh, well, you'll eventually be able to see your friends again. He's like, no, never, never again. And they walk off. I'm the knight. If it disappears. <laughs> Uh, episode 7 is called The Wise King of the Forest uh, Momon's group arrives at Carnia Village and meets with uh, Enri Emmett and her goblin troop so basically whenever he first saved those two kids that were being attacked in the in Carnia Village in episode um, the episodes that we've already went through mm -hmm. he gave this one girl two horns two little like um, calling horns or signal horns whatever you want to call them and uh, they're called uh, Horns of the Goblin King, I think. But they summon a group of goblins, basically. So the girl that he saved has a group of goblins with her now, a goblin troop. Nice. And that's who comes out to meet him. Because he remembers her when he's like, oh shit, that's a girl I saved. <laughs> as Einzel Gon, and not as Momon, the sword's person. Yeah. Uh, Enri tells Nefiria why the village is fortified, and she also mentions Einzel Gon. Uh, the red potion that had healed her whenever she was sliced across her back in that first episode. <clears throat> and Albedo, which leads Nefiria to conclude that Momon is Einzel Gone. So he's got enough intelligence. He's better at home together. Sherlock's home did. Yeah, he did. Wait a minute here. <laughs> Nefiria apologized to Einz for deceiving him. And Einz tells him not to reveal his identity to anyone. Because he comes running up and he's like, are you Einzel Gone? <laughs> Thank you for saving Enri. That's all he cared about is him saving the fucking girl because he's got a crush on her. So he's like, thank you. I'm sipping hard, bro. I'm sipping so hard right now. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, overhearing this, Nabe immediately becomes distraught as she was the one responsible for Nefiria uncovering Momon's identity. Uh, basically, she let the name uh, slip whenever they... In the last episode, when uh, they left the campsite right there, uh, they asked uh, Momon uh, about... Uh, his girlfriend, and he's like, you have Nabe. Hey, the only one that he could ever have is Albedo. <laughs> and that ruined basically everything. Uh, but only Nefiria has figured it out at this point. Uh, later, uh, as Nefiria requests the Swords of Darkness along with Momon and Nabe to help him collect medicinal herbs in the forest, Momon learns of the Wise King of the Forest, a supposedly powerful magical creature. Seeing an opportunity to gain fame, Momon contacts Aura back at Nazarek, so he gets the tomboy to come out there, and has her draw the beast out of its den. The beast angrily runs out of its den, a den and charges at Momon. Momon immediately, immediately recognizes the beast as a, a giant Jigurian hamster. <laughs> so it turns out to just be a fucking giant hamster. Yeah. <laughs> a species uh, that one of the guildmates that he had kept as a real pet. 
in the real world. Uh, noting how uh, much of a disappointment the wise queen king was, Momon instead opts to use one of his skills to scare the beast into submission. So he doesn't even attack it. He just uses uh, Aura of Despair level one. <laughs> when it's got ten levels. Aura of Despair level one. I'm the fuck. It's like, because otherwise it dies, so he can't use anything higher than that. Uh, Aura, seeing this, asks if she can take a, a, have its pelt. So she basically wants to murder the little fucker and take its fur for her. It's like, she's wanting to skin it and everything. She and, seems nice. <laughs> but Momon decides to make the king his servant instead, and he names it Hamsky. <laughs> so the wise king gets the, the name Hamsky after all this. Why is it called the wise king? Because it's like in this world, it's extremely powerful. Oh, it's a him. It's nothing. He's got no intelligence, though, doesn't he? Yeah, it talks. It has okay. intelligence and everything. But so does uh, a couple of the other monsters that are in this world. Like they can speak. That's good to know. But in this world, they look at it. And it's like it's got power. <laughs> With him, it's like level one despair. Fucking push it in. It's a submission here. <laughs> um, Momon introduces Hamski to the Swords of Darkness who are in awe over its wisdom. Momon, however, is floored by the perception of Hamski as he cannot see or hear anything that would make this giant, cute hamster seem like a wise king. It's like, it's fucking retarded. <laughs> How is it smart? Uh, after successfully collecting the herbs, the group returns to Erantel. Momon and Nabe then part ways with the group to register Hamski, uh, while the Swords of Darkness return to the pharmacy for their payment from Neferia. Uh, basically, you have to register item—not uh, items, but uh, register um, beast and stuff like that within the guild. So they do that, and then the uh, the, the swords of darkness go with Neferia to get their payment. Basically, you get a fucking permit after ten to six business days. What the fuck? Kind of random. <laughs> the group is intercepted by Clementine, however, uh, who menacingly mocks the group. Clementine is the one that was conspiring with the. Uh, the old man to take over this town a couple episodes oh, back. Yeah, yeah. So we get to see her and we get her name at this point. And she is a fucking psychopath. But what them titties do? Uh, they're there. They got that they got the anime jiggle. Uh no, she's not like extremely busty. No. Mm. Mm. But she is kind of a hoe. <laughs> like the way she dresses she, she, but she's also fucking crazy like she tortured this one dude where she stabbed him through the eye and then I was like four play to mates so episode eight we have uh, twin swords of slashing death is the title of the, the episode so Clementine appears in front of Neferia to kidnap him the Swords of Darkness attempt to buy time for Neferia and Nina, his aunt, or his, yeah, his aunt, I think, or his mom, to escape, but Khajiit, which, that's a really uh, unique name there. She sounds, sure sounds like some Elder Scrolls stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's the old man that was plotting with Clementine, though. They block uh, their way of escape, so they can't even run. After registering Hamsky at the Adventurer's Guild, Momon, uh, his group, uh, they meet uh, Lizzie, uh, Lizzie. Lizzie Bordent? Does she have an axe? And I, I done fucked up part of it because I remembered now the names. Nina is part of the Swords of Darkness, but she's the one that, uh, she, it's the girl that they think is a boy. Mm -hmm. So she's the spellcaster and they're trying to get her and Neferia to run off. 
But while at the Adventurer's Guild, Momon runs into Lizzie, which is related to the pharmacist. Because that's his, uh, that's her grandson, I think. Um, and she guides them, and he guides them to their house at this point. So she meets up with uh, Momon, and then they go to her house, which Nefiria is at. And also Clementine, the Swords of Darkness, and everybody else at this point. Uh, however, they find the Swords of Darkness have been turned into zombies. So they've been killed. Then reanimated. But they, they had so much character development. And the anime, they did. Oh, they did? Yeah, they had a lot. Well, they still get attached. Uh, after killing them, Momon immediately deduces three things. First, whoever did it uh, did not hide the bodies, meaning that they did not care to cover their tracks. Second, a piercing weapon uh, was used to kill with the swords. Third, their target was Nefiria. With this knowledge, Momon asks Lizzie if she wants to hire him to save her grandson at the cost of all she has. Because he says, okay, we found it. We found uh, where he is and everything. Um, what are you willing to give me to save him, basically? He takes off her clothes. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what else would you be willing to give <laughs> well, She calls him a devil and then says everything. I'll give you everything if you can just bring him back. So, figuring this out, uh, agreeing to the pseudo-Faustian uh, contract of her selling her soul to him, basically. Momon uses several locator spells to track Clementine to an old cemetery at the edge of the town. Using Crystal Monitor, Momon discovers a, uh, what was it, uh, an undead army with Nefiria at its center. So basically the reason that uh, you find out they kidnapped Nefiria, this alchemist, is that he can use any magical item. Like, without any penalties or anything like that. He's not, uh... Like, like okay, here's an example. Um, Einzel Gone is an Elder Lich. So he's a skeleton. He's a magic user. So unless he uses a spell to convert his skill points to a warrior, he can't use a sword. Mm. He can hold it, but he can't use it. So, basically, Nefiria is one that any magical item he can use without any penalties. Uh, ordering Lizzie to alert the guild and the town, Momon immediately rushes to the cemetery. Upon arriving at the gate, Momon is, uh, he astonishes the guards by single-handedly annihilating the undead attacking army, despite them only being copper plates, which is like the lowest level adventurers you can be. Uh, along with Nabe and Hamsky, uh, Momon carves a path uh, to Clementine and Kajit. So they actually find him. Confronting them, he mocks him and demands that they hand over Nefiria while also drawing out Clementine, bringing up the fact that uh, the piercing weapon was one of her swords. Momon then leaves Nabe to deal with Kajit while he and Clementine take their battle elsewhere. As Momon and Clementine are walking, the latter attempts to psychologically taunt Momon. Momon brushes it off with laughter and enrages Clementine by declaring he does not need to fight seriously to kill her. Which pisses her the fuck off. Because she's trying to, like, oh, they cried whenever I killed him. And he's like, okay, I, I don't really care. Like, he, he had respect for them, but it doesn't hurt him because it wasn't somebody that's part of his guild. So it is what it is to him. Episode 9. We have The Dark Warrior, was the title of it. Momon and Nabe begin their respective fights against Khajiit and Clementine. Khajiit summons two skeletal dragons that he declares are impervious to magic. 
but this is proven partially false, as Nabe uh, easily obliterates both the dragons and Khajiit with a 7th tier spell. Just blows him apart. Uh, he's because in the entire beginning of the fight, he's like, magic doesn't hurt him. Magic doesn't hurt him the entire time. And she's like, no, 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 let me, let me clarify. Magic up to level seven doesn't hurt them. Anything past that, which is what she can use, destroys everything. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Uh, Momon continuing to live to, uh, to give uh, Clementine a handicap, uh, clashes with her repeatedly. Furious at how Momon repeatedly mocks at her uh, her being weak, Clementine charges Momon with full force, uh, shocks and pins her. Uh, sorry, uh, full force attacks and stabs uh, him in both eyes with elemental strikes. So shock and fire Damn. from her swords. So they're enchanted swords. Momon brushes off the move to Clementine's uh, attack, and then uh, pins her with a one arm bear hug. Just. What's up, girl? <laughs> Revealing his true undead nature to her at this point, Ainz torments Clementine, uh, and he snap as she snaps and flails relentlessly while thrashing at Ainz to release her. Her effort proves futile, and Ainz crushes her body with both arms, killing her. Jesus. So just like continue because it. What was it he said? Uh, stabbing magic. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. You die regardless, and then he just squeezes her to death. She gives us a Batman back break. Only he went all the way. It's fucking and the entire time he's doing it, uh, the like I said earlier, how they have their little uh, gold tags, bronze tags, mm -hmm. whatever. She apparently collects them from all the people that she's killed, and she wears them as her armor. To a fucking serial killer, then. Yes, she is. Jesus. So as he's squeezing her to death by crushing her, they're popping off. The entire time, where there you just see all these little uh, pieces falling off from around her and stuff, it's like fuck. Also, oh, before that, it looked like a uh, like a, a solid set of armor. Yeah, and now when it's you know being under pressure, you see the actual like they're just popping off. Yeah, like the uh, wow, that's fucked up, isn't it? That yeah, <laughs> like she's a true psycho mass murderer. Yeah, she is, and she's also uh, whenever they were talking and they were fighting, uh, she said only Gazif, uh, Brain Unglas, and then her—they're uh, the three strongest warriors that she can think of. And he's like, "Oh, good to know," because he already knows he's stronger than Gazif. So, if those are the only warriors that are on the same level, he ain't got nothing to worry about. So, Ainz then returns victorious with Nabarel, Hamski, and Nefiria. Uh, and for his effort, is immediately promoted to Mithril rank. As he discusses his new promotion with Nabarol, Ainz, will go, uh, Ainz is contacted by Albedo, who alerts him that Shaltir Bloodfallen has rebelled against Nazarik. So basically they have a rebel at this point. Motherfucker, a traitor. <laughs> That's how episode 9 ends. Uh, then we go into episode 10, called True Vampire. So now we get the backstory of, with Shaltir uh, leading up to this event. So yeah, a one-piece backstory. Yeah. Not a full backstory, but we go back just a little bit to when uh, Shaltir left Nazarite to begin with, like during this whole thing. So uh, Shaltir is outside of Nazarite trying to find martial arts users with Sebus and Solution, which is one of the battle maids, the slime battle maid. Uh, basically, that was something that was tasked to them by Heinz. He's like, find people that can do kind of what Gazif can do. Make sure they can do karate. Uh, martial arts are more like, uh, they're almost like magic. 
So uh, maybe you think you do fire karate, <laughs> fire karate, fire bending. Basically, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, so uh, after encountering some bandits, she sends Sebus and Solution back to the kingdom and goes to the bandits' base. This is uh, where I was telling you about before, where uh, Solution basically absorbed people into her boobs. <laughs> that happened at this point. So um, when she confronts their leader, Brain Unglos who is also a known martial arts user. However, he is so weak compared to her that she she does not even realize that he's using them at the time. He's so far below her that it's like, oh, you use martial arts? Wow, that was nothing. So it reminds me of that Britney Spears comment from Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Have you ever heard it around? Man, fucking <laughs> threw that motherfucker right, th- right under a bus. <laughs> Told him I was ready. Put it in. He's like, it's over the end. My world collapsed. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, girl? <laughs> Just assume it's a small PP. <laughs> so basically, um, when he was uh, getting ready to fight her, he's like, he he has this uh, ability to where he can sense anybody in his area and attack automatically. And she's like, oh, have your preparations been laid? And uh, he attacks her, and she says, I can only, uh, what was it? I can only tell differences in uh, meters. I can't, I can't detect changes in millimeters or something like that. And I without joking. <laughs> well, she is a sadist, so it wouldn't be too surprising. Uh, after he runs off, after seeing that he's never going to beat her, like he runs off crying. Smart man, get the fuck out of there. Uh, so uh, he is so weak compared to her that uh, she doesn't even realize that he's using any kind of martial arts or anything. She then goes into a blood frenzy and kills all of the bandits except for Brain, who escaped. Well, we're having a pinky. <laughs> My God. <laughs> uh, she tries to follow him, but encounters adventurers from the Adventurers Guild who are there to fight the bandits. That was the whole reason they were sent out. Now they got into her. Job done. Let's go home, guys. Bandits are done. She kills all of them, except for Britta, uh, which was given a uh, red potion by Ainz, because he broke hers in one of the uh, earlier episodes, which makes Shaltier believe that Ainz wanted her alive, so she leaves her alive. Yeah. Uh, when she realizes that one adventurer was set to run away beforehand, uh, and that everything was not going right, she tries to find him but ends up being attacked by some unknown people who attack her with a uh, weapon that she has never seen before. Is it a gun? Uh, it's one of the world items uh, that we talked about in one of the earlier episodes where they're, like, extremely powerful. Yeah. Uh, but not before she manages to wound the user that's using that world item, so she fucks her up <laughs> with, her, uh, with her lance. After Ions hears that she has betrayed Nazarick, because now we're back to the current time, he decides to go uh, find her and find out why she has betrayed Nazarick. So, uh, next episode is called Confusion and Understanding. Ions uh, and Albedo, uh, they find Shaltir, and Ions states that even Shaltir is under mind control. Uh, she was left behind without any orders, though. So basically, when they use this world item on Shaltir, uh, it's called uh, Downfall of Castle and Country. It basically allows you to control one target completely. Rather, if they have uh, mental defenses or uh, any kind of skills that prevent uh, mind control, it allows you to control their mind still. Hmm. So that's what they did to Shaltir. The problem is, though, is that whenever she attacked the person using this world item, 
they didn't have a chance to give her any orders. So it's just basically who attack whoever comes and attacks you first. Oh. So she's just standing there with her head down, waiting for somebody to try to attack her. Ein's attempts to use super tier magic uh, to free her, but it fails. Because of this, Ein's realizes that Shelter has been mind-controlled by a world-class item, the strongest of all types of items. Uh, he decides to equip the floor guardians with the world-class items that Nazari cast to protect them before he goes to go fight Shaltir. But he also states that Shaltir is one of the strongest NPCs in Nazarene, and that he might not be able to beat her. He's like, well, fuck. Gotta try anyway. <laughs> uh, and it also, uh, he also states that if you have a world item on you, you can't be affected by a world item. So that, that's why he gives all of the NPCs their a world item to hold, whether they're going to use it or not, just so that way they're not affected by other world items that might be around. Uh, we go into number 12, uh, the Bloody Valkyrie. So, uh, Ainz, while being observed by the other f uh, floor guardians from Nazarek, finally goes and confronts Shaltir, who proves to be on par with Ainz himself the entire time. But Ainz beats her with a special move, after which uh, she uses a skill to prevent her death, because she's got a whole list of fucking abilities that she can use as well. She also uses holy magic, dark magic, fire magic, every fucking thing that you can possibly think of she can do. She's basically, she was created in the game from the, the guild members to be a PvP NPC. NPC, wow. Like, she was there to literally fuck up anybody at any time that tried to invade their guild. If Dark Souls taught me anything in PV, PvP, <laughs> it always go for the butthole and always protect yours. <laughs> You got it. Watch out for your butthole. Make sure you try to get his. <laughs> the first one to get that backstab has a distinct advantage. And two times. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Um, however, uh, then after all this, uh, at the cost of using all her uh, mana, basically, she prevents her own death. After this, Ainz then states how everything has been going according to his plan. Yay. The entire time. Because he's a strategist. Like, she's an NPC. He's like, she's extremely strong, but she doesn't think ahead. So, he did. Uh, episode 13. Player versus non-player character is the title of it. Ainz and Shaltir Bloodfall and continue their fight. However, it is revealed that the outcome of their fight was already predicted by Ainz. Using the knowledge of Shaltir and everything about her provided by her creator and his friend, Pereranchino, he had a whole battle pre-planned against her the entire time, so he knew how he was going to try to beat her. That's he made her, basically, um, he basically forced her to use skills that she wouldn't, if she was using her brain, she wouldn't use um, needlessly throughout the entire fight and, uh, like, uh, mana and stuff like that. She used everything recklessly <laughs> just so that way she could prove that she could beat him, basically, because as a non-player character, originally... She doesn't have those strategy ideas in her mind. Right. Uh, uh, when uh, his MP, with his MP reduced, uh, magic points anyway, uh, he changed to a warrior class and used the world champion armor, which belonged to his friend Touch Me. So now he's got world champion armor on, and he's fighting as a uh, warrior rather than as a mage. Uh, then using various cash shop items. <laughs> so he's one of those kind of characters that love to buy that shit. Those, like, gotcha things and stuff like that. Like traps and stuff? I, I, I guess it'd be like, uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, pay to play. Oh, oh, one of those. Wait. Dirty <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm thinking of the uh, the Japanese word for it because they call them gotcha, where it takes so many times to get what you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a pay to play. That motherfucker. Or he spent a lot of money in the game. Uh, and finally, using a super tier spell, Ainz defeats and kills Shaltier. Then back at Nazarek, Ainz resurrects Shaltier with 500 million gold of the treasury that they have in Nazarek. So much it took the reviver? Yeah, 500 God. million gold. Dang. Like she was an extremely costly NPC. Uh, however, Shaltier has no memory of her time under mind control, although it is revealed that the slain theocracy was responsible for it. Um, they haven't made plans yet. Uh, we then have uh, Einzel going back as Momon. So we have Momon and Nabe return to the guild to look for a new job. And it is shown that they have been promoted directly to Adamantite class, making them the third Adamantite party in the entire kingdom. So they're one of the top three. And that's how episode 13 ends and the season ends. Hmm. We end with him uh, beating Shaltier and then reviving her. And now she's working for him. Again, yes. Cool. And uh, you, you, she does learn later on how to be, right be not as stupid. Because uh, yeah. uh, I think in season two, all of season two, they basically treat her as a little kid that's stupid. <laughs> so they don't give her any uh, kind of super important tasks or anything like that. I think she's just in control of the gate to and from Nazarene the entire time. Jeez. Like she doesn't do anything else. All because she fucked up in this. And she, uh, she never lets herself live it down either. So uh, like... She was very um, reckless in the way she fought. She had no strategy whatsoever. But after this, she actually takes um, some effort to get better. And that's whenever you also learn that the NPCs can actually get stronger. So oh, that's a new one. <laughs> and they're already level 100. Yeah. Like they may not be gaining uh, levels, but they can gain new um, experiences. That help like out their, uh, max out their uh, skills. Yeah. Like, they may not gain, like, actual new skills, but, like, they're learning how to do other things that they weren't programmed to do. So, but we might do uh, season two or something like that, maybe next week or the week after. Cool. But that is everything I got. Anything else to add tonight? Um, I want a world item. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, just be like a pair of boxing gloves. Should be giving our hands. <laughs> <laughs> just giving them hands to be some random dude walking around <laughs> with the most OP fucking weapon just hands just fucking throwing hands alright well with that we will see you guys on the next one